Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, I'll tell you what. In this episode, I have a conversation with registered nurse Kim Carter, friend of mine, friend of the show. She's been on a couple of times before. She's here to provide some updates as to what's going on with her, where she's working now, and the things that she is seeing regarding the shot recipients, specifically within her home health company that she now works for, where she travels from home to home and provides health care to these individuals, or at the very least, some treatment to some extent. And she'll get into that more specifically here in just a minute. But first, there were just a couple of comments I wanted to make. First of all, toward the end of the episode, we discuss the latest substack that I wrote here on the AmericanClassroom.substack.com. I recommend going over there and checking it out. It's titled Government Sanctioned Premeditated Murder. And the subtitle is The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Food and Drug Administration have set the table for more lockdowns and bioweapon shots. And essentially, what has occurred here, as you've heard me bring up these two documents on the show here before, but I finally put the substack together at the end of last week, Health and Human Services and the FDA, as I say here in the first paragraph, have now added the so-called illnesses, whether they be real or fake, the business of Ebola and Marburg to their list of COVID countermeasures. So all of the things that were in place for the COVID lie, they're basically just adding other illnesses. So if they say that these illnesses exist, well, then all those countermeasures are coming back. The other thing that they've done, too, is they've removed informed consent. From all IRB clinical trials. It's gone now. Again, there was no informed consent, as we know, with the COVID lie, but now they've written informed consent out of everything that they're doing, including the trials. And again, that was already kind of the case with the COVID lie, but again, they've just made it official. What's ironic about that is when I got done talking with Kim, I was watching One America News for just a couple of minutes. And the show host had on a quote-unquote America's frontline doctor. And I've seen this guy before, and his name slips my mind. He's a white guy. But he was, he was on there, and he was basically saying the same thing that all of those people have been saying for the last two, three years. Is that all we want is informed consent. All we want is informed consent. Why can't we get informed consent? I turned on the TV. I mean, I, I looked at the TV and I just said, there is no informed consent. It doesn't exist anymore. It didn't exist before, but he doesn't even know it's now been written out of their own policy and their own law. There is no informed consent. And what gives them the ability to not have informed consent again is all of the language that they use. They now say they don't need informed consent if it's for something that they believe is not harmful to people, but necessary for people to do, or for people to take, or for people to have. That's it. That's their explanation. But this so-called America's frontline doctor on the so-called front lines doesn't even know that HHS and FDA have done away with this in their clinical trials. It's gone. This should be huge. Again, it's possible that this has already been brought up. It's possible that I'm not one of the first people to bring this to people's attention. Maybe somebody else has, I don't know. But this seems like a rather big deal. So again, I'm simply asking that people 
Move that Substack around if you can. Send it to people. Again, people have to understand that they're going to do this again. They're going to roll with some kind of a lockdown here in the future. And as you've heard me say on the show, I just feel like we're on the edge of what was March 2020 all over again. Although here it is 2024, March is coming up. You know, what do they have planned here? But again, Tedros is running his mouth again, saying that everybody's got to get out there and fight the misinformation and disinformation. And if they had these policies in place beforehand as the World Health Organization back in 2020, then things would have been a whole lot safer for everybody. I don't know anybody who believes that. The guy's a psycho. So people need to understand, again, there is no informed consent. There's no such thing anymore. It doesn't exist, and they don't have to give it to you. They don't even have to give it, again, to the dummies who decide to engage in a clinical trial, which at this point, I'm not sure why anybody would. But I wanted to bring those, those particular things, rather, to your attention. And then finally, there was this. I was watching the Five Docs just the other night, and it was a conversation between Dr. Pilevsky and Dr. Northrup. Dr. Northrup brought up a rather interesting case, and it's something that I hadn't heard yet, but doesn't surprise me, although it is awful. And it's basically contagious cancer as a result of the shots. She says that she doesn't specifically know these two people personally. She's not friends with them, but they're friends of a friend. And she said that it's two couples, two married couples, man and a woman. The first couple, the husband took the shots without telling his wife. And then a couple of years passed. And then as a result of being around his wife and having, of course, sexual relations with his wife, his wife now has breast cancer. Again, normally healthy person, not on the radar at all, but the husband is jabbed. And now the wife, not being jabbed, now has breast cancer. In the second case, the husband was jabbed, the wife was not, and now the wife has a very rare form of leukemia. So, again, you can take that with a grain of salt all you'd like. Sexually transmitted, physical contact probably a little bit of both, without a doubt. This is what's happening. This is, this is what is going on. I find that to be an interesting avenue and just another notch in the so-called COVID spectrum that you've heard me bring up on the show before. It's another scenario. It's another avenue. It's another sort of option or variable in the equation here of something that is apparently occurring. So, People need to keep that in mind, and again, if you're hearing of individuals who are ending up with cancer, pay attention to whether or not they are jabbed or not, and if they're not, are they around the jabbed? Are they sleeping with the jabbed? This is an interesting, this is an interesting element in this whole thing. We know it's a biological weapon, so at this point, why not? It makes sense, but just wanted to bring that to everybody's attention here. Okay, again. Here's a conversation with Kim Carter. We bring up a lot of different stuff, and she gets deep into what she's specifically seeing. And, of course, what she experienced there at the end of her select medical Christ Hospital in Cincinnati experience. And she gets into all of it. So we bring up a number of different things. She also brings up a lot of therapeutics and a lot of therapies, so to speak, regarding detoxing yourself and a num- number of other healthy options. So give this a listen, ladies and gentlemen. 
Thanks for listening as always, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Bring the audience back to when you were blowing the whistle on Select Medical. And then, of course, that existing within Cincinnati's Christ Hospital. Again, my audience heard that, and they're well aware of that. But what happened after that? So, uh, once they terminated me, it took until the end of January for me to actually get the physical copy and the written termination letter. And in that letter, they specified that I was terminated for violating their policy. Now, I had filed for unemployment, and I'm waiting for that unemployment to go through. And I had to file appeal after appeal after appeal because they kept denying my claim, stating that I had been terminated because I violated their policy. And they found that, um, you know, they had just cause to fire me. And so in my appeals, I'm submitting to them the proof that I had submitted my religious exemption for the COVID and the flu vaccine on May 4th prior to my even accepting their full-time position and it coming back approved during that time. If they had had a policy that required me to put a mask on my face, they should have given it to me then at that time because if I had seen it at that time, then I would have made the decision to not take that position and simply received another contract from my current employer. Right. So they are the ones that failed to provide any policy that would have required me to violate my religious beliefs then, but they failed to do so. And at that moment, the unemployment office finally came back and uh, reversed their decision that they did not have just cause to fire me for violating their policy, and they are now required to pay unemployment for me. Now, so all of December, I'm sitting there waiting and fighting and filing all of this. So I've gone almost two months, and um, and at that during that time, I'm like in this mental state where every time I think about what occurred, like my whole body goes into fight or flight and it, it was like to the point where it was almost debilitating. I couldn't, I couldn't think about a single responsibility that required me to have to go back into that field at that point in time. Like there was just, I couldn't do it because it made me sick to think about how these companies are or think that they're allowed to just violate people's rights the way that they do. They don't care. They have their policy. It's their, it's their little protection that they think that they can do anything that they want. And it just, it made me sick and nauseous. And I just couldn't even think about going back. And of course the wolves come knocking at your door and you don't really have a choice, you know, because this whole time I'm still not getting an unemployment check and you know, bills had to be paid. Right. So I started looking around to see um, what kind of nursing job I would be comfortable in my current state of mind doing. One that wasn't going to force me to put a mask on my face and violate my beliefs. And so... Uh, Before you describe that, and I, of course, want to dive into that deeply, 
just w- one last thing regarding Select Medical, just to sort of refresh my memory. When when mm-hmm. you when you handed them your exemptions, almost out of mm-hmm. the gate. I mean, you showed up and you were like, "Here are my exemptions." Right. When you did that, I mean, I don't understand why it takes them time to make a decision on your exemptions. Not to mention when you handed it to them, they didn't look at you and say, sorry, we don't accept these or we're not going to accept them. Or, I mean, they looked at you and said, what, thank you for, you know, thank you for handing us these. Yeah, it was, it was through email. I sent it to her. Well, first she sent me their company form, which is what all of these companies require. And I wrote on it just like I wrote on the 500 other people's religious exemptions that I had provided to them. Cause remember I'm a, I'm an ordained minister as well. So, you know, I had, I had a coast to coast congregation almost overnight. Um, but I put on the form on their form, I put see attached because you don't ever want to put anything on a piece of paper that somebody gives you because it's a contract and their form is meant to box you in and lock you into their terminology. So you put the attached so that you can then attach your own legal document that has your stipulations in it. Because you have to stand in that knowing and that in that belief of what your rights are, because if you don't know your rights, you don't have any. And so I submitted their form with C attached on it, and I provided them with that religious exemption. And Sean, it was only it wasn't even 24 hours that I got back a response saying that my religious beliefs, they accepted, they approved that, okay, you can have your religious exemption because, oh, our policy doesn't require you or mandate you to get the vaccine. You can decline those. But then there's this other policy behind that that says you have to do X, Y, and Z that they failed to provide to you until it got into the point of the beginning of the season where they're the, we're going to start forcing the, the the required or not required vaccine of, you know, your hep and your flu vaccine coming into the flu season. Right. Right. So if they're going to force somebody to provide their documentation for that vaccine without providing that other policy that's there to try to back it up. And I mean, essentially what it is, is it's blackmail because, or coercion, because Nurses know, or if they don't, they should, that masks have been proven over and over to not stop the spread of anything. And all they do is put the person wearing it at greater risk for all kinds of different infections. But their whole thing was they didn't want to put a mask on their face. And so then they were, you know, pushed into getting the vaccine. You know, so these other employees were aware of that policy, but they also weren't told of that policy until the start of the flu season. And they put all of this out during our little morning safety huddles. You know, if you can decline the flu vaccine, but if you do, you're going to be required to wear a mask. Well, all of that science, as you know, is completely backwards because we know what the body does when a vaccine is introduced. The body sheds and they're the ones that make people sick. So they should be the ones that should be forced to wear the symbol. Yeah. You yeah. know, but that's just not how it goes because they want everybody to believe in this upside, upside down world bullshit science. Yeah. The, you know, the simple fact that these places, regardless of where they are, have offered these exemptions as we mm-hmm. know, since, since 2020, I mean, since the mm-hmm. mask rolled out, that those were the first exemptions. I, I don't even know of many people who utilized 
the jab exemptions in the past, but certainly 2020 got it kicked off with the mask wearing. Again, you would think that the organizations offering the exemptions by default would have to accept the exemptions because otherwise, why would you have them? Right. And see, and that's the thing is that, you know, when I started applying for these other jobs, and I did eventually accept a position as a home health person. And while I'm going through orientation, we're going through like the um, um, some of their policy. And it's specifically said, it's specifically mentioned in their training that if you have a religious exemption against the use of masks, then the uh, EEOC, I think it's Title Seven of the Civil Rights Laws, that they have to provide accommodation for you. So if one big corporation is required by law to do it, then guess what? Every other corporation that has greater than 300 employees is required to do it. They violated my religious beliefs and they attempted to force me to, to violate my own because of their policy that is illegally being forced upon their employees. And it's crystal clear so, in the new policy where you where you are now. Absolutely. And here's the thing is that the EEOC, I'm still waiting to get an appointment to be able to make my claim against this company, but they're so backed up that we're all the way out into the end of March with appointments time. So I can't even get an appointment time. And my attorney can't even file a wrongful termination suit against them based on what they terminated before, because it all ties back into the discrimination. Right. So I don't even know what the statute of limitations is on wrongful termination, but it all has to wait until I get the approval through the EEOC to go forward with this discrimination case because it's a multitude of cases all in one in one go. Sure. And there's no way you're the only one. Oh, absolutely. And the fact that the EEOC is backed up so far, what does that tell you? Yeah. Are, are these companies just, you know, blanket? violating people's rights and their religious preferences like that's ridiculous for them to be that backed up it's very sad it's it's so it's just so indicative of the much larger scheme and the much larger picture of everything that's happening that is of course not being reported absolutely uh, yeah wow well I'll, I'll tell you what do this too if you can um uh-huh it's Kind of a procedural question, but describe the orientation process for the home health and what home health is for those that may not know. Okay, so this is absolutely blowing my mind. So um, home health nurses or home health aides, home health physical therapy and occupational therapy, they get assigned to patients that are being discharged from the hospital to the home setting. One, because they're safe enough to go home. Two, because the family is capable of being taught and are available to um, help the patient. Then, you know, they're, but they need just a little bit more help. They will uh, assign either a nurse or an aide to come out. And if they just need help with like strengthening and, and getting through like their showers and stuff like that, they'll have physical therapy and occupational therapy. But if they have more like skilled requirements, like, um, their their IV antibiotic therapy is going to exceed longer than what the insurance is willing to pay for their stay in a hospital. So they will discharge them to the home care setting. And then a nurse will be assigned to come out and provide them either IV hydration or um, IV antibiotics, or they have a wound or something that can be maintained with home health. They don't necessarily need to be in a hospital. So that's where the home health situation comes in. 
right? Gotcha. Now, as far as the orientation portion of this, it is a six-week orientation program where they literally teach you about not just their policies, but what it looks like in the home care setting. Because, man, it is completely different than being in a facility, whether it's long-term care, long-term acute care, or med surge facility, right? I mean, this is their personal space. As a nurse or an aide or, you know, other medical professional going in, you are going into their home. That is them inviting you into their personal space, trusting you to be the person that's going to provide for them and take care of them. So they're they're having a very, very deep level of trust here. Right. Right. And so, you know, this com- the company, they train you so well that I'm just like flabbergasted because as a 15-year nurse, you know, I've, I've pretty much experienced just about everything you can possibly experience. I mean, I've kind of been in every type of setting. And I've taken care of patients from pneumonia to cancer and everything in between, you know. So I've pretty much seen and done it all. But they're taking me back like I'm in I'm in nursing school all over again. And I'm going through anatomy and physiology. And I'm going down to the cellular level of the veins and the arteries to make sure that I know how to draw blood and how to insert an IV and how to hook up an IV. Like, I mean, it's it's a little overkill. But... I've noticed that these new nurses coming out of school, they need that kind of orientation. They need to make sure that these nurses know what they're doing and they know their stuff. Because out in the field, in the home care setting, you have to know your stuff enough to be able to manage your patient's care. You're like the case manager of that patient. So when you see something going on, you're responsible for making the call that's necessary to either keep them in the home, keep them safe, keep them healthy, or sending them to the hospital because you can't maintain them on your own. Right. So you are literally with a team of individuals that are not part of a team individually managing the care of these people. You have to be the one to make the call. So you got to know your stuff. And so because their orientation is so in-depth, like for me as a 15-year nurse, I'm like, okay, wow, this is overkill. But I can clearly understand and see why it would be necessary, Right. right? This is the first job, though, in 15 years where I've had such extensive training. And it's kind of nice to know because that's going to make me, I guess, more comfortable playing that role, you know, and um, I'm going to know what their policies and procedures are for certain situations. And I know kind of what I'm doing when it comes to emergencies. I mean, it's kind of nice to to actually have a company care enough about the patients that they're making sure their staff is fully trained. And, you know, there has to be a psychological component to it from the patient's standpoint, because you know that the patient doesn't want to go to a nursing home. Correct. I mean, they really don't. That's why they're doing what they're doing here. Everybody wants to go home. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to go home. And those that are, you know, not capable of going home and they are forced into a nursing home. Oh, my goodness. The psychological depression that hits them. Yeah knowing that now they're having to lose their their total autonomy over everything in their life. Like that's the most devastating part of being in a, a nursing home because you literally have to give up everything, all of it. And then you have to trust that your providers are really going to take care of you. And that's why nursing homes gets get the rap that they do because 
people that work in nursing homes are in it for money. They're not in it for the care of the person. Right. Now, there's been a couple of long-term care facilities that I've worked at that are not that way, but they are very few and far between. Would you say that this is clearly the most professional? Absolutely. Um, you know, but it's early, you know, give it sure. time, Sean. Like I sure. can't, you know, I yeah. mean, every place that I have worked, I have been asked to either break the law or violate my own ethical and moral code. And, you know, that's something that it, it takes a little bit of time sometimes. So just right now I'm, I'm hopelessly or hopefully optimistic, optimistic. Um, but you know, give it time, but so far so good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it's like, wow, this town is really nice. And then it's I like, know. just live there a little while and you'll figure out it's probably shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's Oxford. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no doubt. Amazing. It's funny because some of the patients that I've, you know, been going into to take care of during my, my preceptorship and everything, you know, my preceptor mentions that, you know, I'm from Oxford and my patients are like, how was it living out there? I've heard some, some good things about it. And I'm like, yeah, it's like living in a snow globe. Looks pretty from the outside, but inside it's shit and all shook up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's an excellent description. It's perfect. What's your, what's your range of care then when it comes to, and, and, and of course, your, your so-called caseload or the number of homes that you visit? So um, they have a requirement that we, it's, a, it's based on a point system, right? So. If you have an admission, which would be a start of care, um, that's like two points. If you have a resumption of care, say, so the initial physician order was for 12 weeks of care, you get to the end of that 12 weeks, but then their insurance approves for another 12 weeks because their level of care is still the same or it has increased, then we do a resumption of care, which is one and a half points. So they don't get fully discharged, they just get restarted. Um, and then there's just a basic skilled nursing visit, whether that's wound care or just an assessment to check on their well-being and to maybe educate them more on their medication needs or side effects, that kind of thing. So it's just those are considered a one point visit. So they have a the day shift home health nurses have a I think it's a 35 point requirement. So that's anywhere between five to six patients being seen a day. Um, the um, the location, I guess, the uh, surrounding areas, each nurse is assigned a location. And those locations are based on zip codes. And sometimes they'll have to cover three or four different zones, but most often they're staying within the surrounding zones of their zip code, of their personal residence. Um, This particular company, I am eligible for a company vehicle. So I get the company vehicle and a gas card so that that way I am um, you know, using company assets instead of my own personal, um, other employees have the option to, it just has, it's, I guess it's based on your personal car insurance requirements or something, as long as you meet those requirements then you're eligible for a company car. Gotcha. Um, do you I show, mean, seems, I'm sorry, uh-huh. do you show up unannounced to, to their homes or they know you're coming? No, they know we're coming. Um, we are required to contact the patients either the night before or the morning of just to kind of let them know. So we each have the ability to set our own schedule based off of our own personal family needs and based off of what we believe are best for the patient. 
Um, so a lot of the patients, they don't want to be seen at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, they want to be able to sleep and rest comfortably right. and they'll, they don't want us to come until about nine or nine thirty, which is wonderful because most of us have kids, you know, and we have some kids that we have to get off on the school bus and some of them don't leave until eight thirty. So that works out perfectly for the private life. And that kind of a requirement, as far as the points go, the five to six a day, I mean, um, from what I'm experiencing during this orientation portion, you know, they're usually done seeing their patient requirements by 2.30 in the afternoon. They start at 9, 9.30, and they're done by 2.30. So you can take on more visits if you want, if you want to make more money, because each visit is considered a bonus over and above your required five to six points a day. Um, if you want to pick up on your off days to, to meet, you know, certain bonus goals, you can. Um, my shift is going to be on call. So my on call requirement is going to be from 5P to 8A. Um, any patients that don't get seen during day shift would be rolled over into my shift. And it's a seven on, seven off um, rotation. So I only work two weeks out of the month. And um, I would be responsible for the overflow of day shift and any emergent calls. So my zone is going to be slightly bigger. Uh, because they only have, I think they did have four on-call nurses for the entire area of Dayton. Um, but then when they hired me on, they had just lost an on-call. So that left them with three. And while I've been in orientation, they had another one um, leave. So that leaves two of us covering the entire city of Dayton for on-call. So unless they get in, I, I know that they're hiring for more. Um, so it's just going to be really busy <laughs> for a little yeah. bit until they get on in and trained. What's the mood of the patients when you arrive? I mean, I, I assume, I would hope that most of them are happy to see you, but there have to be some that are, you know, not liking their situation, of course. Well, it's interesting because everybody that I have gone to, everybody's home that I've gone into, um, they are pleasant and very very considerate when it comes to us being there as human beings, right? But their their health situation is what they are frustrated with. Right. Um, they are frustrated with the insurance companies and what they are or are not allowing. They're frustrated with uh, the communication between what the doctors tell them in the office and what's getting poor, like passed down to nurses. Now, from what I'm saying, order wise. The nurses are the ones that are literally managing all the care of these patients. And we just simply notify the doctor of like issues and we kind of tell them what we think we need. And then the doctors give us the order and then we put them in. Like it's, it's almost like uh, we have the authority of an advanced practice nurse without having that authority as an advanced practice nurse, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like we're not actually physically writing the order, but we're making the calls because that's what we have to do as case managers. Gotcha. But the patients are very happy with the staff. Like um, it seems like this company takes very, very good care of the patients and the staff that they employ are very good and they care about the patients. And I think that as a home health nurse, you have to be in it for the right reasons or otherwise you're not going to do it, you know, because people don't always live like we do you know, and they don't always have nice, lovely homes. And you have to be willing to set aside your biases and your judgment 
to be okay with taking care of people and people that are in this field for money, they're not going to do this kind of job. Right. You know what I mean? No, it's so God. It's that, it, it's God's work. There's no doubt about it. And when you it, told me that you were doing that, I thought to myself, she's right where she needs to be for yeah. everything she's seen and everything that she's experienced and done because she's away from the wrong people, but she's around the right people. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like it's, um, it's opening my eyes to the, the brevity of the situation too. Like, you know, when I was over at select and I'm in the hospital, you know, I've talked about how bad it was what I'm seeing, but now because I'm, I'm like down in the trenches now, this is like frontline stuff and it's getting really personal now. Yeah. And because it's getting so personal, like I'm, I'm really understanding when I said before, I don't know that I'm mentally capable of handling what's about to happen. Then now it's even amplified even more. Yeah. Let's get into it then. What are you seeing? So I've sent, I've, I've been seeing a, a range of people, um, people that just need a little bit of assistance, people that have, um, pretty bad wounds that have wound vac requirements and IV antibiotics. Um, but then I started seeing the case, the cancer patients, um, that are part of my IV training, um, because, you know, they require infusions or people that are on 24 hour TPN, you know, they're on long-term TPN therapy and long-term TPN therapy isn't as long-term as what you think. The body can only sustain that kind of living for a short period of time. Nothing is considered long-term when it comes to that kind of life. You know what I mean? Perspective. Um, and almost all of them, some of them had, you know, their, comor- their comorbidities prior to the rollout of the VAX, but it was exponentially increased after they received it. And the onslaught of additional medical issues that they're now facing is crystal clear to me. Mm-hmm. And they still haven't even come close to connecting the dots. I mean, some of them have, um, you know, during COVID, we were all making comments about the homeless population seems to be doing just fine. Right. Yeah. They're not six foot distancing. They're not masking. They're not doing any of those things. And they're they're surviving. And I'm wondering how many of us actually went down into that homeless population and actually found out what was really happening. Because one of my patients is a homeless man. Right. And he lives in a halfway house. And. um I realized that, you know, while we were all being forced to be vaccinated to keep our jobs, um, the homeless population relies on government subsidies, housing, in order to survive. Like those homeless shelters, they're state-funded. Sure. And because they're state-funded, they're going to be forced to follow COVID protocol and mandate which means that the majority of the homeless population was forced vaccinated. 
And my patient, after his second Moderna vaccine, he told me was when all of this stuff started happening to me, happening to him. He said, after they gave me that second shot was when this happened. Yeah. He has a systematic neurological rash all over his body that became so bad. He has claw marks from one shoulder to the other, deep wound scars in various stages of healing all the way around his body, all over his shoulders, all over his back, all over his waist, all over his legs. His legs have gotten to the point that they have lost circulation and color and the tissue is dying, essentially. And they are not treating him with anything that's helping him. I mean, we're healing the surface wounds, but that rash is not being treated. It's not going to go away. And he's not being prescribed anything. Correct. He's, I mean, he's got a lactic acid lotion, you know, for healing the wounds and helping to ease the itch a little bit, but it's neurologic. It's systematic. It's not that, that lotion is not going to do anything. And that man is, is suffering and knows what it was that caused it. Mm -hmm. Knows what brought it about but he's never had a single nurse or doctor tell him it was an adverse effect from that vaccine. He just knows when it happened. Yeah. Let, let me make a comment too. This was something that came up on Gab the other day. Somebody made a comment to me about, I don't know if they were jabbed or not, but they were basically like, Hey, where are all the bodies piling up? I'm not seeing all these piled up bodies. And I replied back to him and I said, when are you allowed to see piled up bodies? Like, who in society is allowed to actually see that? These people go in to a hospital, and then they're gone. They right. go into, again, like you said, a homeless shelter, and then they're gone. You know, the, uh, I, I completely agree with you that, you know, this whole notion of the homeless were never, in, you know, infected or, uh, you know, that the homeless weren't subjected to any of this or they're doing just fine is total bullshit. It is. Yeah. It is complete and total bullshit because, I mean, everybody has been affected, no matter your station in life or where you live. Yeah. And what your job is. We have all been affected. And, you know, one of, one of my preceptors, the sweetest, sweetest woman I have ever met, sweet girl, you know, she... She's not aware of anything. And I made a comment. <laughs> I made a comment the other day. And she snapped her head around and she said, what? About the, um, the release of um, potential cancer cures using ivermectin and the synergistic pairing of fenbendazole. You know, we have a lot of cancer patients, you know, cancers that metastasized out of nowhere and is stage four and all over their body, the turbo cancers that we're hearing about. We have a lot of those patients. And I'm talking the, the release from Pub, PubMed on the use of a certain chemotherapy drug in fenbendazole or uh, fenbendazole, IV vitamin C, sodium bicarb, and um, hydroxychloroquine. 
used in combination, and that is another cure for cancer. You know, like we've known for a really long time that we all have cancer in our body. It's just whether or not it's going to continuously mutate, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the cures have been known since, I think, the 1960s. But they have been suppressed because Rockefeller is the one that funded the American Cancer Society. He's the one that established the anti-cancer law, which states that if you declare that you can cure cancer, you're going to be this. They're going to take your medical license and you are a quack. Nobody can cure cancer because it's an incurable disease, which is why we've spent the last 40 years researching it. And any doctor that claims that they can cure it gets unalived and they're they're you know, no longer to worry about. The research gets suppressed and their knowledge gets held back. You know, but for whatever reason, all of it for right now, it's all of a sudden coming out. You know, but I have these patients that have been so trained to believe that there is nothing other than chemotherapy and radiation that will help them, that you can't even mention it to them. You can't even print off the study and leave it for them to read because they won't do anything with it because they don't believe it. Yeah. You know, and it's so heartbreaking to see and to watch and to know. And I just, I might be in the right place, but oh my goodness, it is breaking me. Yeah. Already. Sure. Yeah. I mean, of course you're, you're seeing these individuals toward the end. And then, you know, again, I don't know what conversations you have with them, but I was going to ask you that. I mean, do you tell them about these things? But like you just said, they don't they don't want to believe it because they've been so, uh, you know, brainwashed, so to speak, into believing the medical system. Yeah. I accidentally read pill to patient. Um, it was one of my first days by myself. <laughs> there you go. You couldn't help yourself. <laughs> I couldn't. It just came right out. Um, she had been in the hospital because she had fallen. And she didn't know why she fell. She just fell. But it turned out she has new onset AFib. And I asked just, it was just, not, it wasn't even a thought. The very first question that rolled out of my mouth, mouth was, did you get vaccinated with the COVID vaccine? And her husband spoke up and says, yeah, we both did. They got the Moderna. And I told him that it was one of the adverse effects of the COVID vaccine. And that they both needed to monitor closely and ask their doctor to, to perform tests. And if the doctor refused to acknowledge what I was saying as being truthful, that they needed to find a new doctor because it is well common knowledge at this point that both Pfizer and Moderna causes significant cardiac damage. And for those that have not found or become symptomatic yet, it does not mean that it's not occurring at the cellular level and at the microscopic level. And he asked me, he asked me for that research and you can bet I provided it to him. Good. And he had not yet become symptomatic. Um, but now that she had, you know, and these are these are elderly people. These are elderly people. This is the generation that they were purposefully attempting to wipe out. And if I can help save some of them, then so be it. Yeah. What what uh, what percentage of, of the patients that you've seen and that you've had here 
are are jabbed with the COVID shots. Well, that's the thing. Like I have only, I, I I'm thinking I have only talked to at least three to four patients that have not received it. Out of, I guess, three weeks of five patients a day, whatever that math is. Different patients a day. Different patients a day. Wow. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, I've got a, a patient that had suffered from Crohn's disease for a really long time. He's an Air Force veteran and he's had Crohn's for a long time. So you and I both know that a majority of our soldiers' illnesses is a result of their mass force inoculation on entry, as well as the um, exposure to all the other chemicals that they're exposed to at war. and. You know, so his Crohn's disease is absolutely um, militarily related, and it has become so exponentially worse post that vaccination that he can't absorb anything. He's on long-term TPN therapy, and every time something gets put into his port or his uh, pick line that's not supposed to be there, he internally bleeds to the point of he's died three times. Like this man is hanging on by a thread and his, his thirst for hanging on to that and attempting to control every aspect of his care and is fully 100% completely acceptable and warranted. Uh, rumor has it allegedly, allegedly, that Jim Davis has a heart condition. Wait, who's Jim Davis? Doctor Davis. Remember him? Part of the board. No, he he was the guy who spoke before me at that school board meeting. Oh, the one about the pediatrician. Yeah. The pediatrician Davis. Yep. He has what now? He has a heart condition, allegedly. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. Wonder what from. See, and this is the part that's the, the that is the the conundrum, right? Or the what is the word I'm looking for, Sean? Where we are absolutely heartbroken at the result of these vaccines, and then on the flip side, for the ones that are pushing it, we are. So how does it how does it look knowing that you're on the wrong side? You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no tolerance for the for those that push this. Yeah. Thinking that they knew what they were talking about. They're getting the full karmic backlash of that. And we have no sympathy. Like, do you see how, how that dichotomy is so great? Like, there is a huge, great divide between the two. I got it. It is one of the, of course, we've all seen the memes and the phrases. It's one of the most, it's one of the most jacked up times to be alive. <laughs> I mean... Talk about history. Yeah. You know, like this is. But to be plucked the way that we have, you know, to and I've said it on my show and played audio that that essentially proves our personality types. I mean, we were we were chosen. We were completely plucked out of all of this to be awake. But it seems like it's our entire generation, Sean. Well, it's like the entire Gen X group. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know the percentage breakdown. I really don't. 
But I it, mean, think about it. It's those of us that pretty much slept our way through high school that didn't give two shits about anything because we raised ourselves. We had absolutely zero, zero respect for authority. <laughs> yeah. 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 A hundred percent on that one. No if doubt. We don't give a single shit. Why? Because we don't have any fucks left to give. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We are the ones that understand what's going on and we see this. I mean, look at how everything kind of ties together when it comes to where we all stand on everything happening politically at this particular point in time in our lives. We couldn't be brainwashed. So from your perspective, Sean, absolutely. We were chosen for the time such as this. Yep. So we were the anomalous generation injected into this world to wake up humanity. Isn't that cool? It is. And just like you said, the flip side is, is it's not cool because we've got to see all of these people do what they're doing, including family members. And it is mind blowing. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie Nefarious? No. So we've talked about this being a spiritual war, you know, several times too. And um, this movie came out. I'm wanting to say it was last year sometime and it's about a man that's on death row and he murdered like 20 some odd people or something like that. Oh wait. And yes. I know. I know the one you're talking about with uh, the Patrick Flannery guy. Is yes. He, yeah. 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 So it's about the, the demon that has taken control of this man and forces him to do things against his will kind of thing. You know, it wasn't until I watched that movie that I truly understood the depth of evil in this world and how demons are in fact real and how they manipulate every aspect and every corner of our life. And they can interject thought into our brain without us even being aware of it and how every decision that we make is either choosing a path that they have specifically designed for us making us believe that we have free will versus us making decisions that are in the best interest of life and humanity, right? The things that are good, the things that are of God, the things that are of love. And so that movie, the way that that demon verbally said, like came back at him when he was talking about how, you know, we're the freest we've ever been. We have equality across the board. Men and or women can vote. You know, you remember that scene? I have. I have, I've seen parts of the movie. I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay, so he's talking about how good our society has become, and the demon. His response is that you have defiled the child, like you've taken the child's innocence. You are not as free as you think. You're enslaved to a world with your mind. Um, every decision that you make is a decision that you make because we are guiding that decision. And uh, when you when you worship um, pretty much essentially uh, celebrities and evil and the, the evil goods that others do, you are essentially helping to win the war of good versus evil because you are allowing the demon to take over your form, right? And so all of these evil things that are happening, this exposure of all this corruption, is us finally being able to see the evil in our world that we just accepted before. And it's like we've all been walking around in this mass hypnosis 
thinking that everything was good, but it's not really. It's just an illusion that we're now seeing through. And I think maybe that's the reason that we're all so fired up about this, because now that we know the illusion isn't real, we can't tolerate it anymore. Again, it, it also it makes us understand the depth of the deception and how explaining this to the people who aren't awake is like explaining to them how a watch works. There's no one singular answer you can give them other than potentially looking at them and saying everything that you believe is a lie. Right, and it's all connected from the smallest thread to the greatest of not, you know, like there's like the greatest of root balls on trees. You know, you can't separate one from the other without tugging on another one. Right. And, you know, once you're able to see that each individual subject is only a fucking symptom of the whole like you can't understand how to fix it right i mean everything is a macrocosm and a microcosm and you just have to be able to see the reflection there is a, there there is plenty of waking up going on i have no Absolutely. doubt i have no doubt about that the um i'm on x right now <clears throat> excuse me uh-huh. and the top trending post as we're talking right now is vaccine with 64,000 plus posts. And then below that is New York City, Flynn, and hashtag excess deaths. Yeah. That's something that would have, you know, would have been algorithmed out of Twitter in the past. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything that's been coming out on Twitter has been, or on X, has been mind-blowing. I mean, that's where the, you know, the ivermectin and uh, fenbendazole studies are coming from is off of X where people have, you know, dug them out of PubMed and started posting the cures to cancer, you know, and those are the things that I want to just like share all over the place. And I do, I still share it on Facebook, even though I'm always censored. My TikTok accounts is constantly shadow banned. They won't let me get over 800 or 8,933 followers. They will not let it go any higher. And if it does, I will sit there and watch my count drop back down to 8,933. You sent, you sent this to me yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, and I, and I pay attention to Dr. Mackis's uh, substack. I subscribe to his substack. But he goes on this huge run about psychosis as a result yeah. of the shots and all of the symptoms regarding the deterioration of, of, the, of the mind. And there's a listener of the show who lives in Michigan, and we've communicated a couple of t- a number of times, of course, and uh, have co-written a couple of substacks. But if I'm g- getting the story correctly, she stated that I believe her mother-in-law is in her 60s, took the shots, uh, isn't isn't awake on on the issue at all, and went from not having dementia to immediately having dementia. And, yeah. and then again, doing things that they have never done, like getting up in the middle of the night, uh, you know, at three in the morning and walking around outside, things of that nature. Yeah. And they've had to institutionalize them, essentially. Yeah. It, well, it's really scary that you say that because I was just talking to my cousin last night. You know, we already know that, you know, the, the dementia portion is caused by the prions, right? And 
the uh, we already know also that those spike proteins shed, and the prions is the spike protein that's crossed through the blood-brain barrier. Now it's connected to the you know nerves and the brain tissue and all that stuff. So when you're looking at um, the shedding aspect of it, like we need. There's a, there's a nurse on X, uh, her name is Lauren RN and she, um, she was a nurse obviously that was forced to get the vaccine in order to keep her job. And she had, I think she had Moderna and she had an awful allergic reaction to it. Her hair fell out. She had lesions all around her mouth and her lips and, um, whole bunch. She, she now has POTS, which is a, a cardiac issue where her heart rate goes into SVT just out of nowhere and it'll stay elevated for periods of time on end. She had blood work done and she now has spike protein in her DNA. Um, yeah. So she is like torn up. So she has made deals with different labs and different research companies. They are researching her and she's posting all of her results as far as labs and everything goes. And she recommends specific labs. And I can't remember what the name of them are in order to determine whether or not we have spike protein um, in our body due to the shedding. Now, what I was talking to my cousin about last night is there's there's a shift that's happening, and I'm not, and I know that there's other people talking about this, and I don't know if you and I have talked about this or not, but you know, everything is energy, right? Energetically, vibrationally, frequency, that's how everything operates. And when we are exposed to something that shifts the vibration of our body, that's when we start to experience symptoms and illness and all of those things. And for the last, I'm wanting to say month, there's been an energetic shift collectively. The collective, you know, consciousness of humanity has risen to the point, which is what's causing the great awakening, right? And we've, I've been talking to the spiritual community about the, um, the different realities and how things were in 2020 and how similar things are now in 2024. It's almost like the realities are lapping. Um, my memory is there's something going on with my memory, my short-term memory. Like uh, last night, my son had said something about basketball and his game uh, today. And he was just like, do you know what time it is? And I said, no, let me look. And I reached for my phone and I saw a notification on another app. So I opened it up, checked that notification. And before I could even get done finishing the notification, I could not remember why I picked up my phone in the first place. Now, some say that that's nothing, that's not a big deal, but when it's happening consistently over and over and over again, all throughout the day, that's a big deal to me because I should not be forgetting simple things like that, right? And I'm just wondering if we all might need to be looking at getting our own lab done because we know these doctors are not willing to acknowledge what was done. And they don't seem to be concerned about what we've all been put through in the last four years. So we need to be the advocates of our own health and our own health care and what we allow and what we don't allow. And that means we have to become knowledgeable about what's going on inside of our own bodies, whether we're vaxxed or not. Right. So we need I, I'm going to look and see what the name of these um, lab tests are. And I will get back with you on that, Sean, so that that way you can maybe include it in another show. Sure. Um, but I think that we all need to be taking steps not only to detox our body from these spike proteins, um, but we also need to start doing things energetically in order to heal the damage that's occurring. Because I don't think that it was just the vaccine that is causing damage. There was something that was 
put in the flu vaccines, you know, because we've talked about how the flu vaccine was the initial um, exposure of COVID in the first place. It was in that vaccine um, prior to 2020. So it was in the 2019 flu vaccine. Whatever it was that they put in there and that shed it onto everybody else, that was, that has changed the DNA of every person that was exposed to it. Have you heard that yet? Yes, I've I've heard that the shedding um, certainly has short-term impacts with a great deal of people, if not long-term. Yeah. Right. So it was, so what they deemed to be COVID was the illness created from that initial, that flu vaccine in 2019, but it was significant enough that it damaged the DNA of anybody that had caught COVID. Right. It doesn't matter whether it was a mild form or whether it was, you know, a really, really bad exposure. Um, it was like an opportunistic um, infection. So if you didn't have a strong immune system, it immediately got you. But it was also opportunistic in the area of the body in which was already diseased. So if you had previous digestive issues, you had stomach issues during your bout with COVID. If you had lung issues, you had lung symptomology with COVID, right? Um, so I don't know, like, when it comes to specifically at the cellular level, if we can identify whether or not we've had that DNA damage. Um, I believe that all everything in the body can be healed if the body is in its right environment, right? Um, but how far damage, damaged are the DNA? You know what I mean? And right. that's where we, I think, need to to figure out how to get to, whether it's with these labs that she mentioned or blood tests or whatever. I don't know. But I think that's something that we need to focus on in order to be able to hopefully reverse or repair the damage that's been done. I'm hearing numerous individuals, again, openly state that, you know, they'll take an ivermectin weekly or, mm -hmm. or they'll take a, you know, a couple of fenbendazole weekly. Uh, just to you know, help flush out their system as as best you know as possible. I mean, I have no, I have no reason to believe that that would be harmful for an individual. Of course, I'm not a, a medical doctor. Excuse me, <clears throat> but at the same time, you know, I've I, throughout, of course, the last three plus years, we've heard of numerous individuals who are not jabbed taking those drugs, in particular the hydroxychloroquine and the ivermectin, as a as a prophylactic, and mm -hmm. I would go so far as to say that that might not work. And and one of the one of the examples that I have, and I have no basis or or fact to back this up with, but I, I recall Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh huh. Uh, she had a stroke not that long ago, mo right. mo months ago, as a matter of fact. Now she's not the thinnest gal in the world and probably, you know, maybe not the healthiest. And she works a lot and very busy and, you know, doing a lot of things and spinning a lot of plates. With all of that said, I, I couldn't get out of my head when I heard her say that, that she, back in the day when ivermectin was, you know, the latest craze, uh, I remember her consistently stating that she was basically chewing them like M&Ms. And that she was taking them for all these plane rides she was going on. And every time she was going to be around people, she would take it and all this other stuff. And I'm saying to myself, I don't think it's supposed to be taken that way. It's not. Yeah. 
And, you know, and then she has a stroke and I'm like, well, you know, she took, I mean, she was taking more drugs than somebody who has a drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm, you know, so I, I don't know. And, and again, that same Michigan friend of mine has a substack called chemtrails.substack.com. And, uh-huh. and and they openly, you know, they they cover numerous subjects, and one of them, of course, has to do with the toxicity of supplements and how taking yeah. too many supplements and where the supplements are coming from. I mean, again, the word supplement is designed to supplement what you were what you're supposed to get naturally. Correct. From- well, here's the thing. So get this. So we give people vitamin D three, right, in order to increase their vitamin D levels. But did you know that? Um, Vitamin D3 is actually, when you look it up on ChemPub, it's actually a, the synthetic version of D3 is actually a, a neurotoxic poison. And so I actually showed my, um, my nurse practitioner over at Select that, and he was just like, that can't be the one. And I said, look, here's the chemical structure. They match. And he was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, so anything synthetic is designed to disrupt the natural processes in the body. So when, you know, when I was in my alternative medicine program, I learned that one of the systems of medicine was homeopathy and homeopathy is based on energy and um, the vibrational frequency of a thing, right? And because your spirit has a certain energetic frequency, all cells of your body have that same energetic frequency based on the computer programming that they have installed in them. Okay. So when you are exposed to something like poison ivy, then homeopathy says that poison ivy is the cure because like cures like. So what they did was they took a poison ivy leaf and they put it in either alcohol or uh, water because water holds memory and then they uh, performed succussion like it was shaken a lot of time and then that was that became the mother tincture well then they took a part of the mother tincture and then they did it another 50 75 100,000 times in order to create the substance or the remedy so the stronger or the more shakes that a remedy has the stronger it affects the body the energetic substance of the body so then when you treat poison ivy you would treat it with the remedy called pulsatilla and that will naturally cure poison ivy and it'll even create immunity and you won't have to worry about poison ivy again right so our medical system is based off of the same type of premise so Cardiac drug uh, digoxin is made from the plant digitalis, which creates cardiac toxicity if the plant is eaten. So our entire medical system is based off of that core principle. However, they have deemed any other form of healing as quackery. So naturopaths that use to he- or that use uh, herbs to heal are considered pseudo doctors because. They're healing with nature and not something that's synthetic and made from the pharmaceutical industry. And so there are limited number of states that allow a naturopath to be a licensed um, physician in the state and or a primary care provider. The state of Ohio does not recognize a naturopath, but they go through a more extensive medical training than our medical doctors do. Our medical doctors are taught about pharma, uh, pharmaceuticals. They're taught which drugs will treat certain symptoms while ignoring the fact that every drug has 
an adverse effect, which is literally other areas of the body that are being poisoned in order to treat one symptom. So they have been trained to only look at symptomology. They have no idea what a healing body looks like. So have you seen anything on X, Sean, talking about how um, the virus is virus doesn't exist. It's called the virus, the virus theory. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. I talk about it all the time in my show. Okay. The yep. viruses really don't exist. It's your body going through a healing crisis and it's creating, um, an expulsion of either excess mucus with the bacteria or the virus attached. So your body is going through a natural thing. So until that gets cleared, you're going to have symptomology. There's actually no sickness inside of your body. It's just pushing out the unhealthy tissue. Yep. Right? So, I mean, that's Caring's Law of Cure. And can I tell you, I have not talked to a single medical professional that knows what Herring's Law of Cure is. Do you know what it is? Tell You're me. not a medical professional, but do you know what it is? I don't think so. Okay, so Herring's Law of Cure is how the body heals. So it, the body heals from top to bottom, inside out from the most recent illness to the earliest illness. So you go back in time. So as your body starts to purge and to heal at the cellular level, you will re-experience the same illness that you had recently had that you suppressed with pharmaceuticals the year before. So then you think that you've gotten sick with something new and you really haven't. You're just experiencing it in past time. Does that make sense? Right. You're, you're you're experiencing symptoms of toxic cells building up in your body because your body can't get rid of them the normal way because your DNA is damaged. Correct. Yeah. So instead of suppressing it with a pharmaceutical, if you allow your body to go through that healing stage, that that illness that's in, inside of your body, you won't get again because now your immune system has successfully fought it off and cured itself. So our job isn't to put substances in our body. Our job is to give our body the right environment that it needs in order to heal itself. The body does not need help from man at all. We just have to provide the, the correct environment for the body to do what it's naturally designed to do. So I actually made a list, Sean, of some things that you know your audience can do in order to help start the healing process. Now, you have to remember that we have spent our entire lives, essentially, like you said, being lied to. The food guide pyramid is completely wrong. Our dietary intake is poison. And so we've got all of that stuff built up in our body. And the only way that we can heal it is to get it out, right? So this list that I made is the start. So it's going to take some time. But if you can be consistent in it, you're going to start to see the healing process take place. So if you're, if you're okay, I want to kind of go through that for a minute. Go for it. All right. So we have to, first we have to do a detox, right? So we have to accept the fact that we are being poisoned in our air and our water and in our food. So that means that we have to now eliminate the things that we are putting into our body because we are what we eat. So that means we have to try to get back down to our roots. That means not going to fast food restaurants. That means not purchasing the heavily processed and packaged foods and going back to nature, eating from a garden, making your own things as much as possible and buying straight from a butcher. Get away from the big box stores. Get your fresh egg, get your fresh chicken, go to a butcher for your, for your pork and for your beef. Okay. Once we get there, 
then we have to purge what's already in our body. So we are going to detox the heavy metals and the poisons. You can do this, do this via detox bath with apple cider vinegar, baking soda, and bentonite clay, and some Epsom salts. Um, that's going to help pull from the, the tissues and pull it through your skin into the water. Internally, you need to break down your um, water-soluble and fat-soluble toxins. So you need, um, you need uh, an herb that's going to, or enzymes that's going to be cell-permeable and fat permeable to be able to flush those out. And then you have to feed the cell the proper food. So every single one of your cells has got a positive or negative charge and it requires a certain vitamin or mineral in order to function properly. So you have to make sure that you're getting the appropriate vitamins and minerals. The best things that you can purchase are going to be um, made from herbs, not synthetic substance. So you want something natural that's going to, pr to provide that natural mineral. So you're looking at a salt base, you're looking at um, like Himalayan salt or Celtic salt or um, something of that nature to get your magnesium minerals and um, your salt content. Um, so you want to replenish the cells. But then you also want to make sure you're not putting more things in. So you want to find natural substances for your hair and for your body. And, it, and it's kind of over taxing mentally because you're kind of stressing yourself out because not a lot of people are selling good products right now. So then you have to start paying attention to labels. So I guess it depends on how much you care about what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to determine how deep into it you want to go. But back to the energy frequency and vibration. So one of the therapies that I offer is a sound uh, healing device. It records the sound of your voice for 10 seconds and it um, identifies the musical notes that's in your voice as well as the suppressed musical notes. And it creates your own harmonic frequencies that you need for cellular and DNA healing. Um, so that one's really cool. Uh, so like the tuning fork, when you match pitch with the cell, you can... Um, kill disease, parasite, virus, anything like that that's living in your body. Um, so the other one is a Rife, uh, Rife Technologies. Have you ever heard of Royal Raymond Rife? No. So he, he's the one that discovered that when you match pitch, you can destroy cancer cells and you can pretty much heal the body from just frequency alone. So he has a, um, his research was stolen by the government. And he was unalived and he was suppressed. But um, his grandson uh, received the research from a partner that the government didn't know he had. And so his grandson is now selling uh, the actual Royal, Royal Rife machines. And uh, they are expensive, but they um, will match pitch for anything going on in the body. And there's a lot of research coming out now that shows the benefits from sound healing. Um, there's a device called an electropulsor. Um, it was created by Dr. Dob, uh, Bob Beck back in, I think, the 70s and 80s. Um, it's a device that sends an electrical current through the wrist, um, sessions of like 15, 20 minutes a day. And that electrical pulse, because it's charged, will kill off anything that does not have the same frequency or charge. Uh, so it helps with even uh, sepsis and blood poisoning and stuff like that. Um, grounding, uh, the science of grounding is really, really taken off. Um, they've tried to figure out how fast 
it takes for the electrons from the earth to transfer into the human body. Um, and they can't scientifically measure it because it happens so quickly. But as soon as you put your bare foot onto the earth, your body immediately um, gets infused with the electrons from the earth and it grounds your body out. So it helps to relieve inflammation, helps to relieve pain. It helps to uh, eliminate waste from the body. So it's recommended that you ground at least 15 minutes a day. Um, fasting. Uh, have you looked into fasting at all, Sean? Oh, yeah. Do you do fast? I do. Um, intermittent fasting has been like a popular diet trend in the last couple of years. Um, but the true benefits of extended fasting has only come out, um, in recent research in the last couple of years, they've got it, you know, boiled down to hour by hour breakdown. Now of what happens in the body at the cellular level, hour 16, uh, is when autophagy kicks in. So that's when your cells start to eat the unhealthy cells inside the body. Um, by, uh, I think hour 24, you have an infusion of human growth hormone. Um, you also have an entirely new immune system that's been regenerated in 24 hours In 48 hours, you have a new digestive system. Um, or no, in thir- I'm sorry, 72 hours, you have a new digestive tract and, um, you can accomplish in a three day water fast and an 18 hour hard dry fast. So a hard dry fast is where you have no food or water contact at all. Um, So you can't even wash your hands or your face. You just stay funky for a couple of days. And um, I've seen people that um, I had a, there was a person that I knew that had a diabetic ulcer that he'd gone to the hospital and was going to have it lanced and they wanted to take his foot. And so he left the hospital AMA and immediately started a hard dry fast. And on day seven, the diabetic ulcer that they wanted to take his foot on was nothing more than a scab. So the body's healing capability is incredible. But when you go through a hard dry fast, you are essentially creating a furnace inside of the of every single cell. And they have to become super cells in order to survive in the harsh environment. So your, your immune system is like rock solid by the time you finish a hard dry fast. And um, so there's huge benefits to that. And then um, herbal concoctions like lotions, potions, and tinctures, um, anything that's made from a naturally growing substance on this earth is going to be for your body's benefit. So um, I know that TikTok promotes a lot of herbal products right now. Um, people that are doing um, oil pulling, have you heard of oil pulling? I don't think so. Um, so oil pulling is where you are, you use a coconut oil, um, because it's a polysaccharide. Um, but it is, um, when you swish coconut oil in your mouth, it pulls toxins from the mouth and opens up the pathways and it helps to heal your teeth. It's a natural whitener. It kills the, um, the harmful bacteria in your mouth responsible for gingivitis and periodontal disease. That's, Um, That's my toothpaste. Yes. So, you know, your toothpaste in your mouthwash is clear full of fluoride and fluoride has been, um, you know, known to be a neurotoxic poison. It's a nuclear waste product that was, they weren't allowed to dispose of it in the environment. The EPA told them no. So they, you know, turned around and repackaged it, sold it to the dental field and um, pushed it off as though it was good for us. And when in fact it actually 
destroys the enamel of your teeth and it destroys the mineralization in your teeth. It pulls the minerals out. So then you get more cavities and then you have more dental issues. So when you oil pull and you remove the, um, the fluoride from your products and make your own toothpaste, um, all you need is baking soda, a little bit of peroxide and some bentonite clay. And if you took the eggshells um, from your egg, rinsed them out, put them in the oven to cook them for about 15 minutes and then grind it up into a powder. That's pure calcium. That's not a substitute at all. That is pure calcium. So you put that in your tooth powder and now you have a remineralizing toothpaste that will actually repair your teeth. Um, so there's that part. And then um, you want to people that experience chronic pain. This is another um, another therapy I provide, but people that experience um, chronic pain in their body, um, your fascial system is more than likely a culprit for that because anytime we have an injury of any type, the fascia moves in order to support the other structures of the body to prevent further injury. And once that fascial system supports the muscles, it traps inside of it the nerves and the blood supply. So then you have decreased blood flow and you have increased pain. And so when you break up those fascial adhesions, you experience an increase in blood flow, faster healing times, more flexibility, and less pain because your body is going back into proper alignment the way that it should be. Um, acupuncture is another one. Um, it's another modality like homeopathy that was designed to heal the inner bo the body uh, energetically. So it's based on the meridian pathways of the, the, the body. Uh, energy centers uh, called chakras that hold and maintain uh, the life force or the vital energy of the body. Whenever there is a blockage of energy, it causes dis-ease or symptoms to appear in that particular area. So when you um, put small needles into different pressure points along the meridians, it helps to release the energy that's built up and then those symptoms are relieved. Um, because the fascial system is the energy system of the body, that's what I believe anyway, because when you overlay the entire fascia system over the, um, the grid of the meridians of the acupuncture, uh, system, they match almost exactly. So, um, when the fascia becomes, um, adhesed like that and you use the needles to break it up and put kind of like a puncture through it, it allows the energy to travel through, um, and connect those lines, so to speak, the way that it's supposed to. So your body starts to actually heal. Um, another one that's been really big recently is mega dosed IV vitamin C therapy. Um, there's been a lot of research studies that come out that have said the synergistic pairing of um, hydroxychloroquine and IV vitamin C mega dose uh, also cures cancer. Um, it has a huge impact on seasonal depression. Uh, has a huge impact on serotonin levels. It boosts your serotonin levels, uh, helps boost your immune system. Um, people are using it not just for like when they're hungover, they're actually going in for like weekly infusions so that, that you know, it, it just feels really good. Um, and your body starts to, to heal um, at a faster rate. Meditation is like a really, really big um, thing to do when it comes to healing your body and you wouldn't think that just sitting in meditation would have an effect. But when you think about how everything is connected, our mind is connected with our body because the mind is what directs thought and bodily processes to occur. And 
if you are thinking that on a consistent basis that your body is in a specific state of health where your energy flows or where your focus goes is where energy flows. So if you are thinking that you are sick and diseased and unhealthy, then your body is going to display those symptoms and it's going to amplify it and you're going to experience illness and ill health in a more dramatic way. So when you meditate, you actually change the subconscious programming and you change the way that your mind works. And when you do that, then you can start to see the physical changes take place in your body. So it allows you to become more connected to the body, mind, spirit, so that um, you're more in a place of understanding of how uh, the connection between all three can help heal the body. And then the last one, um, this one's really kind of interesting. Um, this one kind of goes along with praying. Um, when you're praying, you're you're connecting to what I believe is the higher consciousness, God, um, source. And you are essentially allowing that uh, combination of your mind and God's will to come into alignment. And um, when you seek that connection in yourself, then, you know, you can, you can really get a lot of change in there. And you realize that you're not so looking into the out there or health and healing when you can provide that on your own um, with God. And it's, it's amazing when you understand how it's really, truly all connected in this world. We're, we've been pushed to remove God from our lives and um, believe that man is the one that's superior in all things. And when you get back to the roots and the nature and, and God, then you realize that God's responsible for all of it. And, um, it's funny because when you when you connect the path and you do all of those things, you find yourself right back at God. I think that the um, the med- I think that the public is becoming more aware of the corruption in the medical system, and that you know people are going to be looking for alternative healing modalities. And um, you know the majority of that list, you know, I, those are services that I provide. I, I think that based on all of the other things going on in the world, Sean, that. You know, if we can all get back to an understanding about community and helping each other, maybe bartering and trading for services and goods, maybe we can make this world just a little bit better. I would love to kind of start that kind of a a system, providing my knowledge and the tools that I have to help people in exchange for whatever it is that they have to offer me. You know, what, what are you good at? What can you provide me? You know, let's exchange goods and services with each other just because we're a community and we're human. Now, it doesn't have to be this greed monetary based system. You know, if, if we have the knowledge and the energy and the effort to give and offer to another human being that's going to better their life and they have something to offer that's going to better my life. then you know what? Let's meet up. Let's talk about that. I think that's how we used to be. It is. It doesn't have to be this complicated. It doesn't. And it doesn't have to be to this point where we're hurting each other, whether it's mentally, physically, or emotionally. You know, we don't have to create and cause damage in each other because we were damaged. You know, we can we can still look out and be our best versions of ourselves and help humanity too. Even being the imperfect, traumatized beings that we are. 
because I think we've all been traumatized by this, by everything that our government has lied to us about. That leads me to uh, kind of to this last thing. And again, I'm not trying to make it about myself or anything, but you saw the last Substack that I wrote. What'd you think? Oh, well, yeah. So that last one, so about the Mar- the Marburg, the FDA removing informed consent. Yeah. Well, you know, Marburg and Ebola, um, Zelensky, the Zelensky protocol, or Zelenko, Dr. Zelenko's protocol, mm-hmm. um, it was hydroxychloroquine, vitamin C, zinc, and certain maybe. Not sure what the other, the fourth one was, but he said that it's the same treatment for Marburg and Ebola. So, you know, the, if they're going to push that whole, you know, attempt at another COVID 2.0 lockdown, you know, we already have the tools that we need in order to treat it. So we're not necessarily dependent on, you know, the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization to be our savior to create a new, another vaccine that's going to knock out something that we already know how to fix. You know, so there's no need for us to panic about that um, when it comes to the informed consent thing. <laughs> like, I honestly think that the FDA and everything that's really going on is getting so more blatantly ridiculous in order to force wake up humanity. You know what I mean? Like, it just keeps getting more clownish every day. And. I think it's being that it's designed that way in order for people to start asking questions because what, what do you mean? I don't, you don't need my, my consent, informed consent to perform a medical experiment on me. You know, that's designed to make people ask questions. Right. And I really hope that it makes people ask questions, but is it something that people are aware of that happened or is it something that they slid under the, you know, the sly of night? You and I are aware, right? (laughs) (laughs) and I actually mentioned it during one of my orientation days. I was like, did you know what the FDA just did last night? She said, what's that? I said, yeah, they just passed the law that says that they can, you know, just take away informed consent. And she was like, what? And I said, yeah. And so at lunch, she, when we came back after lunch, she was just like, I looked for that FDA thing and I couldn't find it. And I said, here, let me get it for you. Opened up my phone, pulled it up, let her read it. Boom, right there. Informed consent is not necessarily required if it meets these certain requirements. <laughs> yeah. If, they, if, gov- <laughs> if government thinks it's good for you and it's for the greater good and it has minimal risk, which is what they said about the COVID shots, well, then that means they don't they have to do provide conform. <laughs> That's right. They don't have to provide informed consent during the actual trial of the thing that they're making in order well, to kill exactly people. that's exactly what they did with COVID. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's the exact same thing. Like they did it and now they're seeking to cover their ass for when they do it again. And the very words and the names that they use in their acts, like the Cures Act. There's nothing <laughs> yeah. there's nothing that cures anybody with the Cures Act. I mean the cure is I mean, we are the disease. Right. I mean, that's the thing that they want to cure is us. Right. They want us gone. But right. there we was are, a there was, the carbon that they want to eliminate in the climate crisis. That's right. They want net zero, which means we're all dead. Well, but the thing is, is that at zero carbon, nothing survives. So they're literally trying to kill the planet. Yes. Yep. You know, and and that's really interesting too, because they're saying that you know, climate wise, we are at the lowest percentage of carbon emissions that we have ever been at before i think last year we were at 0.03 percent and this year we're at 0.04 percent 
So when you look back at like the supposed conspiracy theories about how we used to have these big, huge, massive trees and how Devil's Tower and the mesas are actually large tree trunks that were cut down before the flood. Like it makes you wonder, like this planet used to be really, really oxygenated and we consumed a lot more more oxygen than 21% on a daily basis. Like we are being deprived of oxygen in order to keep us small. That's why um, hyperbaric chambers work with healing certain illness is literally pushing and forcing higher levels of oxygen concentration into the body because, you know, cellular oxygen deprivation is one of the greatest forms of cancer. So like we're, we're literally being killed from every angle. <laughs> and the government loves it and the government's regulating it. I know. I just, but I just, <laughs> that part astonishes me. Like, and they're writing it down. I mean, they're writing it down. This is the, this is the part that really grinds on me and can't be more obvious. And I'm shocked that I guess more people aren't, uh, aren't screaming about this from the rooftops. I mean, again, I don't go to city council meetings or, or county commissioner meetings, but honest to Christ, if you did and you brought in something like this, they would look at you like you're nuts and you'd say, no, it's right here. It's in their own handwriting on their own letterhead. Right. But Right. That's the crazy part. So like, you know, they say that they have to tell us what they're doing, you know, and when we're talking about chronic illness and disease and the way that the body has had like shaped over the last, you know, 30 years. Like when you look back at pictures, didn't we talk about this before? When you look at pictures in the seventies and eighties, we were all skinny. We were all healthy. Yeah. You know, there wasn't hardly any obese people in our society, but now everybody's fat and obese. And then you look at the people over in Europe who say that they came up, they, they went to Europe for a trip or a vacation and they were gone for two weeks. They ate the same food over there, if not more than what they ate here. And they somehow lost weight. You know, and then they come here and they put it all back on because what's in our food is certainly making us sick. It's certainly making us fat because they need a fat society to perpetrate big pharmaceutical companies. Because if, if we're not sick and unhealthy, they don't exist yeah. because uh, a patient cured is a customer lost. Uh, in that same document regarding the informed consent, there's a section I included in that substack called legal authority, which again, seems to give them the legal authority to basically do whatever it is that they want to do and whatever they have planned next. But it, I just wanted to read this very quickly. It says this, it says, in addition to the Cures Act directs, I'm sorry, in addition, the Cures Act directs the Secretary of Department of Health and Human Services to, quote, harmonize differences between the HHS human subject regulations and the FDA human subject regulations. I mean, they call us human subjects, anybody who particip- yeah. who's foolish enough to participate in a trial, and they want to communize the whole thing. They want everything to be streamlined and everything to be the same. Right. They're going to pull this trigger. I mean, they're flat yeah, out going to, they're going to try to lock people down again. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's their um, Hail Mary um, to cover up what is happening vaccine-wise. Um, they're going to say that these diseases are a result of um, a new disease, when in fact it's actually 
how people's bodies are breaking down from the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Yeah, the number of people that believe long COVID is a thing is a shocking to me. Yeah, I know. It's because, you know, the doctors don't know what it is, and they were force-fed that information from WHO and CDC, and so they're just parroting the information. It's a vaccine injury. I mean, they know that now. But, you know, these people that believe that they have a long COVID issue believe their doctor that the vaccine was safe or that they were medically exempt and they didn't have to get it, but their spouse did. You know, I mean, it's the same injury regardless whether they received the injection or not, you know, but those doctors are the ones that were pushing the vaccine in the first place. So, of course, they're going to lie to their patient, tell them they have something they don't have. Or just believe the email that they get from the World Health Organization or CDC. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, these all these hospitals and doctors follow those protocols. And you and I know now that CDC and the World Health Organization are nothing more than propaganda arms of the government the government that's there to specifically kill us. Yeah, that's what they you mean. Know? That's, so, what, that's what they mean by regulating. They want everybody right. on the same page. And I've played the audio on my show, I think in the last episode, but you've got Tedros over there at the World Health Organization. And he's openly stating, look, you know, we, we don't get to tell everybody what to do. That's up to individual governments. Well, what the Substack shows is that individual governments ourselves, our government included, is rewriting their previous declarations and amendments in right. order to in order to accept anything and everything, right? And then force it on people. This is I don't know. This is going to happen again. Well, They're going to pull the 2020, 2021 card all over again. I know, and you know what's interesting to me, and this is my biggest question: is let's say that we all. You know, those of us that are, you know, strong-willed enough to stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. We're not doing this shit again, right? Those of us that do that, say that we end up in the same type of um, revolution, I guess it would be, like France is, like all of the European countries and Belgium and all of them are, you know, they're literally blocking their trade routes. They're covering their roads and manure and haystacks, you know what I mean? Like they are, they are standing up against the government. So we know our government's passing these reforms and passing these laws. And let's say that we stand up and we say that enough is enough. Who arrests these people? Is it our military that's going to arrest them? Are we going to finally say, you know what, sheriffs do your job? Who's going to be the one to arrest all these people? Because, you know, we didn't see all these people before in all of these different areas because we were busy. We were busy taking care of our responsibilities. Our head was down and we were, you know, getting to the grind the way we were raised. We didn't give two fucks, but we also knew to take care of the things that we had to take care of to survive. You know, so we were busy not paying attention to what they were doing. But now we're in the state where we can't afford to not pay attention anymore. And we have to understand or consider the fact that, yes, we know these corrupt politicians are in play and they're the ones that are doing these things to us. But when are we going to say enough is enough? And when are we going to stand up and say, okay, you're responsible for arresting these people. Do your job. And why aren't they being held accountable? And how do we make that transition happen? Well, we saw it firsthand, the two of us, when we talked with the sheriff's deputy. Mm -hmm. And we were like, hey, man, look. You know, look at all this documentation. This is a biological weapon. So what do we do now? And we saw well, where, we saw where that led, and it led to right. pe- you know people kicking the can down the road, and then it led to 
a double-jabbed prosecutor at the county level who's like, well, that's a political debate. And I was like, go to hell. This isn't well, a political just debate. Like when, yeah, when I went to the sheriff's office and he told me to go to TikTok. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean... I don't, it, I don't trust oh, these well, people. It's not, a, it's not a criminal matter. Well, okay, well, how many bodies do you need before it becomes a criminal matter? Five, ten, five hundred? Yeah. And, and what would happen... If I, if I had a list of all of my patients that are vax injured and I take it to him and I say, here, here are the patients that are now injured from this. Is it criminal now? What are you going to do? Yeah. They're not going to do anything. Hell no, they're not going to do anything because it's too big. Yeah. It's too big and there's too many people involved and who, who could, how can one person take on something of that magnitude? And and they're, I mean, frankly, they're they're incapable of doing the thing that is required, which really, right. which really is coming to grips with the fact that they've been wrong this whole time. Right. I mean, they can say, as a sheriff's department, for example, or anybody in law enforcement, they can say, "Well, look, we didn't force the mask wearing, and we told people that we weren't gonna uh, arrest anybody for not wearing a mask. We might ask them to leave an establishment, but we're not gonna arrest them and ticket them for not wearing a mask." That's the only thing that sheriff's departments did throughout that entire time. Right. And that's not enough. It's not. In fact, it's nothing. Right. It's them, it's them playing devil's advocate, not getting involved while getting involved. Yes. You know, like they, they're taking a neutral stance in a situation that they cannot take a neutral stance in. Like you are, if you're having... If your position requires you to take an oath to the Constitution to defend the country against all enemies, foreign and domestic, then you need to stand on that and you need to do what's required in order to uphold that. And that means going against your political opponents that don't agree with you. And if you don't agree with them, then they should be removed immediately because if they're not standing on that same, same foundation, they shouldn't be in their position either. You know, but we got away from that. Why did we get away from that? And how did we get away from that? When did the constitution become nothing more than a dusty archive? And see this, and I agree with you and that right there, I think, and, and what socially I think we're going to experience again, this is the civil war. It's uh -huh. not, it's not a war with muskets or anything like that. It's just flat out a, a war of incivility. And a lack of, right. of civil discourse, which has been destroyed. Again, right. you, you walk into any of these quote-unquote elected meetings where you have these people who are all brainwashed, and you, and you present evidence to them, nothing changes. They, right. they, they well, don't, it's because they're, they're part of the programming, right? They're, they're part of the, the, the structure that makes up this matrix, and they're only going to pair it back to you what their specific lines are, are required. They're part of that whole movie you know we are the the i guess the uh consciousness that woke up in the game and realized that we are aware and their programmed lines are no longer satisfactory to us but how do we how do we hold them accountable yeah that's the million dollar question right i mean i know what our forefathers would say <laughs> right and but, you know and that's the thing yeah. like none of us want to, to go to war. None of us want to pull out the muskets and the guns and, you know, we don't want that. But we also want 
that rule of law, that constitutional rule of law, the constitutional rule of law, which is biblical law, we want that law to be upheld. You know, we want them to have the same laws and edicts against them that are being held against us. Yeah. We want the same rule of law to apply to them. And it's not happening. And it's because everybody in those positions of authority are corrupt. And until us citizens decide to remove them, and I think it's going to come down to forcibly, then we're not going to have the rule of law maintained again. Because they're going to win. But who makes that decision that says, okay, here we go, guys. Let's go. <laughs> you know, let's mm. do this. Do you see schools putting masks back on? Yeah, I think they will. They're going to attempt it. Amazing. And if Talawanda is successful in closing down schools, you know, when they bring them back, that's what they're going to require. Did it's you amazing. see the letter going around about, um, um, it was a Fresnius dialysis center sent a letter to a patient on January 31st of this year stating that um, if they are de if they are pulled over or detained in the event that our police and military implement a curfew show them this letter to show that you are a dialysis patient so what do they have planned I don't understand it was a letter that Fresnius dialysis center sent to their patient okay that if you are stopped or detained in the event that the military or police enforce a curfew, show them this letter. Oh, wow. To show that you are a dialysis patient. And that letter was sent to a dialysis patient on, uh, it was typed January 31st of this year, 2024. Wow. So it was basically their path for being outside on the road during a curfew event. So what do they have planned? Is it Ebola and Marburg? Is it disease X? Is it the military coming in and putting us in martial law? What do they have planned? Yeah. You know, the question, the question I've rolled around in my head, just wargaming it, is again, and I know a lot of people have asked themselves this and, and talked about it, but, you know, would, would they pull something like this with Biden in office or would they wait for Trump to get back in? And I, I, fr well, I frankly think they would do it with Biden in office. Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense because, you know, they're going to try to maintain power um, as best as possible. So, you know, they're going to continue the false flags. They're going to continue to um, implement all of these crazy rules and laws. And, you know, the thing about it is, you know, this is going back to um, uh, the connection of the war that we currently have going on in Ukraine. Now that's now transferred into us in our involvement over in Iran. And uh, was it Syria that we're bombing now? Um, you know, this is all connected to that. So it's a distraction to keep our attention away from the fact that the um, stock market is crashing, to keep our attention away from, you know, the real estate market, market crumbling, um, and to keep our attention away from everything else that's happening as well. Like this is, they, they have to cover up the fact that you know, the vaccine injuries are now going to be blatantly killing people. So that's going to be the new disease. They're going to come up with some kind of a false flag climate crisis. I mean, California is now getting ready to hit the, the biggest storm of their life. A hundred inches of rain is supposed to fall in the next 24 hours. 
I think it was supposed to hit yesterday or today. It's called an atmospheric river or some shit. And then now you've got the World War III play and and on the table as well. I mean, I think we talked about this before. These are the things that they have left. They can either create a climate crisis, World War III, another pandemic, and or a banking collapse. And they've got all four on the table right now. You know, so now we're we're in World War III against Russia again. They're talking about disease, whether it's Marburg, Ebola, or disease X. We've got the climate catastrophes happening, tsunamis and earthquakes and floods. And we've got the uh, banking system collapsing. You know, uh, 35 countries have now joined BRICS. Evergrande, the largest company, real estate company in Japan, filed bankruptcy last year and was just ordered to liquidate $300 billion. That's BlackRock and HSBC. You know, um, so that caused a huge crash in the stock market the other day. ISO 222, Basel III compliance is in effect. And then here's the cool one, Sean. If you go to the Office of Comptroller, OCC.org, right? I found this the other night. If you go to OCC.org, go to the search bar and you type in, type the letter Q and the um, most commonly searched um, items pop up. And the first one is quantum financial system. So you select the quantum financial system. And then the very first document that you click on, it's a PDF. It comes up. It is, it is a, a memo or a letter from the office of comptroller talking about how the quantum financial system is currently running parallel to our current financial system. And it has a breakdown of reparations that's going to be going to the people based off of certain brackets. Somebody I'm following on TikTok that um, has been following this whole bank thing too. And she's been watching and she'd been pointing out in the, in the last couple of videos that she's done how the uh, bubble on the stock market is now at the highest it has ever been. And to prepare for a massive collapse because Everything that happened back in 2008 is happening again. And now with the, um, with the, um, the debt clock, the U.S. debt clock and the um, uh, Ingersoll Lockwood website, they've been, you know, given these cryptic clues and biblical messages about our monetary system and how um, it's corrupt and how there is another financial system that is going to free all of us and put us back into this place, you know, and I'm not sure whether to believe any of this or not, right? I don't know if this is like conspiracy theory or whether or not this is actually a thing. So me finding that information on the office of the comptroller's website, that's huge because that means that everything that has been being talked about on the U.S. debt clock is actually, in fact, real. So that means that these banks that are required to be Basel III compliant as of January, uh, I think of 2023, they have to have the physical asset to match every dollar that they have in their reserve. So that's precious metal. So any of the cryptocurrencies that are backed by gold, silver, or any precious metal are going to be the only cryptos that are sustained. So these 35 countries that have joined BRICS, they're a part of that quantum financial system in the ISO 222. That's the system that's currently running parallel to this fiat-based market. One of those countries that is not yet approved for BRICS, but is on the waiting list, is Iraq. So when Iraq gets approved in the BRICS nations, then their dollar is going to be revalued. 
based on the gold standard and they will no longer be using the U.S. dollar as their currency and they've already announced that they're no longer going to be trading oil with us. So our monetary system is done. We're just waiting for the free fall to happen and we're now in the beginning stages of it. So I, I wasn't sure what to believe on it, but once I found that Office of Comptroller, I'm like, holy shit, here we go. So the Iraqi dinar is about to go through the roof, and so is any of the cryptos. It'll go through like a slight dip, but, you know, I'm not a banker. I'm not a financial advisor, but just reading the writing on the wall, I mean, that's that's what we're looking at when it comes to a new financial system. And I don't know anything about blockchain or anything. I don't know how to function in that kind of world. Like, my son understands it. So I'm like, you know, can you explain this to me? Like, I'm a five-year-old learning English, please, because I understand every word that just came out of your mouth, the individual definition of those words. But when put together in a sentence, like you just said, I have no idea what you mean. Like, I don't understand any of it at all. So I don't know how this is going to work. But it all, all of this whole quantum financial system is a whole nother rabbit hole, and it goes into, like, this lawsuit from the farmers back in like the 1800s or 1900s or some shit and the supreme court ruled with the farmers against the united states government like it's a whole thing and it has to do with that whole nasara jasara thing because that was the law that the court established when the farmers won this lawsuit against the government they were supposed to be provided reparations for the government stealing their land and it's like up in the quad decade trillions or some shit the amount of money that has accumulated all this time waiting to be paid out to the people in reparations for this. Yeah, I don't know what to believe regarding all I that. I know. Yeah. I know, and it's crazy because there's so much information involved in it, but you can't figure out one way or another what's accurate and what's not. There's so much misinformation. It's pretty evident that we need to stay away from digital currency as much as we can, but even so... You know, and, and of course, everybody's saying keep using cash, keep using cash. And absolutely. I mean, th that's what everybody should have been doing in the first place. But the whole convenience aspect of, the, of moving money digitally, and then, of course, the World Economic Forum always saying, well, this is how everybody does it anyway, so we just need to streamline it and regulate it. And I hear those words, and I just think, no, absolutely not. Right. We know they want to control what people can and cannot spend their money on. And, of course, that's your social credit score right there. Right. And that's the part that has been concerning to me is whether or not that particular version of that um, uh, blockchain reality is going to be what takes shape or whether it whether it's the actual free version of reality where we are actually given everything that has been stolen from us in this corrupt banking system. Right. I mean, we have been literally enslaved since 1913. And are we ever going to get out of that enslavement? And if they are able to actually implement the CBDC, then the answer to that question is no. We're, we're even more fucked than what we are now. I know. <laughs> My God, it just started. <laughs> I know. And then you think of all the people who have no idea what we're saying. I know. It's scary to think that, you know, like I and I'm. Because I, you know, my son and I don't really see eye to eye on a lot of things. And our relationship has been very strained since 2020. And so when I messaged him about this, you know, have you been following along with what's been going on? And I gave him my perspective and my understanding of what's currently happening, that when the banking system crashes and it's crashing, 
when it happens, society only has three days before it breaks down. Are you prepared? Because I'm watching the writing on the wall and everything I'm seeing lines up with exactly what we saw in 2008. However, it's bigger than that now because now it's globally and they cannot buy themselves out anymore. They can't print any more money because they have done everything that they've done to this point and got us in this position. So when the Fed didn't decrease rates the way that they expected them to, they're not getting the bailout that they wanted because that that lowering of the interest rate would have allowed them to be able to print more money. But now they can't because the Fed didn't decrease rates. You know, so there there's no there's no bailout this time. And because it's happening globally, because those countries are joining BRICS, you know, Texas has even applied to BRICS, which is why Russia has offered to send support to Texas. They're about to become their own independent nation. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely see if that happens or not. They have the yeah. right. To, they have the right to do it. But right. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when when they pull this uh, this illness this illness cord. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I, I haven't seen many of my patients, like I said, that are aware of you know the extent of what's going on. But I think, unfortunately, most of them are going to be the ones that are going to comply again. I mean, they've they've already got three, four, and five of them. Yeah, that's going to be up to your employer. Yeah, which is too bad because that filters right down into their bloodstream. I know. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless. <laughs>